You're listening to Where We Are This Week. Melissa and I will be discussing President Biden's big announcement, long-awaited announcement around student loan debt forgiveness. We'll break it down. We'll bring you the range of perspectives out there. We'll talk about the Christian response and share our ideas as well. Thanks for listening to Where We Are. This is where we are. We are the where's. I'm Michael. I'm Melissa. And Melissa, it's been a, a fun week uh, as we just wrapped up our first full week of partnership with the That Sounds Fun Network. So grateful uh, for them, their team, to Annie for their partnership, and grateful to you, uh, our listeners. Uh, what a what a launch week, Melissa. We we charted. Yeah. Uh, we we hit the charts on Apple, yeah. On Apple, uh, and it's been so much fun to hear from folks who have been tuning in, both to listen to our uh, last week's episode of Where We Are, uh, and then also to the morning five throughout the week. It's been um, it's been great doing that for y'all, and we we have a big topic to discuss. On on the episode today, but but Melissa, any, any thoughts on sort of uh, the the last week and that sounds fun and how that's been going? It's been great to hear from uh, supporters, listeners, subscribers coming over from Substack, uh, just welcoming us back because we went on a four week break while we were building up this partnership and preparing for it. Um, so. Hello to everybody who's been here a long time. Hello to any new listeners. Welcome. We hope you like it here. Um, yeah, I just, I, I've been just, just so um, excited about the response that we've, we've been given. Yeah, it's going to be cool to uh, grow from here. We're revving up for uh, the midterms, and it's been encouraging uh, to hear just that that even just over the last week, that what we've provided uh, has been helpful to you all. Grateful for the new subscribers at the Substack. Um, and, you know, it, it really, as we sort of expand this partnership, as we get deeper into the podcast, we're finding all kinds of ways to make sure the Substack complements the podcast and the other way around. So for those that do want to uh, sign up for the Substack, get the get the full experience. You can do so at reclaiminghope.substack.com. It's a great way to, uh, uh, becoming a paid subscriber is a great way to support all of the, all of the work we do across, yes. uh, across the podcast and across the, the newsletter. Um, Melissa, we've done an episode on the student loan debate and we maybe have. we'll uh, talk a bit about you know that episode, which I think is episode eighteen. Um, mm-hmm. That episode, you know, uh, um, covers our our personal opinions, yeah. and we sort of uh, record that episode uh, as 
some of the Biden White House deliberations were in the news. But of course, we didn't have what the actual policy would be at yep. that point. And it was so all hypothetical. It was all hypothetical. And so I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about our personal opinions about this, what we're excited about, what reservations might be. This episode will be a bit a bit different from that previous episode as, uh, as again, we, we actually have the policy out. We have something to to report here. And so l- let me just break down briefly what President Biden announced this week. Uh, the, the, the basic background here is that, you know, there's been a long pause on repayment for federal student loans due to, due to COVID. Uh, that, that pause has been extended multiple times by the Biden administration, but there was a sense that uh, sort of it could only be extended uh, sort of so, so so many times. Although there were some people who said, "Hey, you could extend this long. Why don't why don't you you know permanently a permanent pause?" Uh, but there was a sense the Biden administration was was going to uh, was going to unpause uh, repayment and. Biden made promises during the campaign around some level of uh, of uh, forgiveness of a cancellation of uh, a, at least a portion of student loan debt. Um, there were a, a lot of debates within the Democratic Party. People like Senator Elizabeth Warren, uh, the NAACP, others. Uh, uh, principally on, on the left, although interestingly, you had someone like Senator Schumer uh, really take up the cause as well. We're pushing Biden for uh, much more than his campaign promise. Uh, uh, f- the fifty thousand number was a common uh, common number that you'd hear the desire to cancel uh, uh, cancel student loan debt up to fifty thousand dollars for. Uh, for for borrowers, well, this week President Biden announced uh, really a three pronged policy. First, most simply, uh, the student loan pause uh, they announced will be extended one final time through the end of the year, and then repayment will start in 2023. So that's one. Number two, uh, uh, President Biden announced. Uh, the forgiveness of debt of $10,000 for uh, every borrower of federal student loans um, uh, of up to $10,000, uh, so long as you have an income of less than $125,000, uh, $250,000 if you're married, filed jointly, uh, or, or uh, head of household. Uh, and then, interestingly, this was not sort of expected in the same way as, as the 10,000. A, a bit of uh, curveball is not the right word, but a bit of a little sort of twist or something additional. Uh, $20,000 if you went to college on Pell Grants. So for borrowers who receive Pell, Grant, uh, uh, Pell Grants, uh, you can get up to 20000 forgiven. And so that's that's number two. So they extended the pause one last time through the end of the year. They canceled, announced the cancellation of 
10,000, 20,000 for Pell Grant recipients. The third, uh, which uh, we're not going to be able to give sort of all the details here, but, but basically the Biden administration rolled out some changes to the uh, income-based repayment plans. So currently, the income-based repayment plans were at 10% of income. Uh, they are having that to 5%. The Biden administration is also, um, the federal government will cover uh, uh, interest above your uh, the, the monthly payment of those on the income-based plan so that interest won't grow. M Melissa, and we'll, we'll maybe talk about this a bit more, the, it, it, it's this policy, the income-based uh, 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 repayment changes, I think have the, significant, have the ability to be, over the long haul, far more significant than these one-time debt cancellation yep. uh, rules, particularly for those who are low-income, income-based yep. repayment. It's it's the the value increases. I mean, it's a progressive uh, uh, progressive program in the sense that the value increases the lower your income is. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll talk more about that. But before, Melissa, I asked for your sort of reactions to this. Let's talk about some other folks' uh, reactions. Uh, uh, first, uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren released a statement that today is a day of joy and relief. Uh, she said, President Biden is canceling up to $20,000 of federal student debt for as many as 43 million Americans, a powerful step to help rebuild the middle class. This will be transformative for the lives of working people all across the country. Uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader uh, in the Senate, released a statement saying that President Biden's student loan socialism is a slap in the face to every family who sacrificed to save for college he continued to say that the policy was astonishingly, astonishingly unfair. The median American with student loans already has a significantly higher income than the median American overall. Uh, he closed by saying this is the one consistent thread that connects Democrats' policies, taking money and purchasing power away from working families and redistributing it to their favored friends. Uh, and so uh, that is the, uh, that was the Republican response. It, uh, uh, it was interesting to see pushback from some surprising places. I mean, I think one group, Melissa, of Democrats or those typically considered to be sort of center left um, are some Democrats in tough reelection races. Mm -hmm. So we saw Tim Ryan, who's running for Senate in Ohio, distanced himself from the plan. We saw Senator Michael Bennett uh, make an argument against some aspects of the plan. Senator Bennett thought it should be targeted more narrowly. So that's one group. Second, you have uh, 
uh, the Washington Post editorial board, among others, uh, call Biden's announcement a regressive, uh, a regressive, expensive mistake. And uh, the editorial board lays out uh, an, an argument uh, against Biden's announcement, saying that it will not do enough to help the most vulnerable Americans. It will, however, provide a windfall for those who don't need it, with American taxpayers footing the bill. And then the third was uh, one of the most prolific sort of economic critiques came from Jason Furman, who mm -hmm. was uh, President Biden's, uh, the head of the uh, Council on Economic Advisors uh, under, under President Obama. And Jason Furman tweeted that uh, pouring roughly half a trillion dollars of gasoline on the inflationary fire that is already burning is reckless, doing it while going be well beyond one campaign promise, $10,000 of student loan relief, and breaking another, all proposals paid for, is even worse. And he continued to, 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 lay, to lay that out. Uh, finally, I'll say the NAACP, which was one of the most vocal sort of uh, persistent uh, advocates uh, for not just what Biden announced, but actually asked for more, uh, grabbed hold of the $20,000 commitment. And we'll talk about that a bit a bit later, but grabbed hold of the $20,000 commitment for, uh, for Pell Grant recipients, uh, claimed sort of credit for pushing, quote, pushing President Biden to exceed 10,000, bringing us closer to 50,000 and beyond. Um, and then NAACP committed to continue to advocate for equitable relief for the millions of borrowers who are caught in the student debt crisis. Uh, so th that's some of the ranges, uh, some of the range of, re of uh, responses. Uh, obviously, the, the Biden White House is, from a policy level, uh, looking at all of the people uh, that their policy announcement is going to help, so assuming it's implemented. Let's put a pin in that. And, uh, and then from a political perspective, there, there's uh, a hope and part of the promise that was made to them from people like Stacey Abrams was that uh, taking bold action here would be key for motivating uh, voters in the midterms. The White House has been very clear to say this policy, this policy decision was not uh, dictated by political considerations while saying, uh, but we expect for there to be uh, some benefit, uh, some political benefit as well. Melissa, I have a lot of thoughts about sort of all of this. We haven't talked about the Christian response yet. We'll, we'll get to that. But I have, I have a lot of thoughts about this. Would love to hear how you've been thinking about and processing this announcement. You're, you're on the record being very supportive <laughs> of, uh, of uh, aggressive student loan debt forgiveness cancellation policies. What was it like seeing it actually uh, announced this week? I felt more like the NAACP when I saw the 20,000 Pell Grant um, relief. I thought, okay, that's more where I sit. Because again, Michael's just mentioned, I'm for whole hog student loan debt relief. I'm for canceling all 1.7 trillion because if you're gonna be taking the step to do a little and take all this fire, you might as well do the whole thing. Um, 
And then while taking care of that, asking Congress to actually take action on the high cost of um, higher education institutions. And uh, I mean, uh, where to even start? If we're going to start there on the high, high costs of higher education and some of the negative externalities that will come out of this decision, which Matt Brunig covers quite well in um, his most recent piece on especially this income-based repayment plan um, being capped at 5% of income, basically halved from the uh, former 10% of income um, and zero interest. You know, he says this will encourage universities that they can just start increasing the cost of education because essentially a, a, a lot of people will begin to qualify for this type of program and will be able to, you know, afford their 5% and colleges will be able to go, you know, sort of rampant on their prices as they have been for a good, you know, 30, 40 years now. So, you know, I'm sympathetic to arguments like that for sure because the, the thing missing here, and it's mentioned a little bit in the White House fact sheet about how they're going to hold higher education accountable I don't see any details there. I will be waiting to see if there are any further details from the Department of, Ed of Education. But it shouldn't just be coming from the Department of Education. It's sh the White House should have said, okay, Congress, now it's your turn. We need legislation targeting this and put it into law because you know executive orders can't actually cover that area of policy. And there, obviously, we will discuss this on the pod a little bit. We don't even know technically if... Um, uh, legal-wise, this entire plan huh. will be able to go through. Um, so I'll, I'll bring those few points up. I'll bring yeah. up the point that I looked at. Um, so there are some Goldman Sachs economists. There are some Bank of America economists. So more on the Wall Street side, the finance economists, which are different from like a Jason Furman type economist or Joseph Stieglitz or uh, Larry Summers, um, who sit more in like the policy realm. Um, these, you know, Wall Street economists were saying they really do not, cannot foresee that this particular policy, which would relieve around, I don't know, 400 or 500 billion of uh, debt, would actually increase inflation more than 0.1%. Um, and part of what they're saying is that sort of the inflationary effects of these, uh, of these, uh, of the forgiveness will be offset by the. Uh, by, by the restarting return. by the return yeah. of payment of repayment yes, because of loan. so many people and, yeah. will still be repaying loans because for many the ten thousand will only cover you know a third a fourth a fifth a sixth of their current loans um the restarting of payments will mean that people will have that burden on their checkbook again and will tamp down consumer um, buying, which that's the whole point of other like a Jason Furman type or a Larry Summers type who are saying, you know, uh, this kind of relief is terrible during a time of uh, super high record record high inflation is that you know we we want to tamp down demand we want to tamp down spending because if you suddenly are relieving people of this amount of money they will have more money in their pockets to therefore go out and spend when we actually don't need people spending right now the more people spend the higher inflation goes or the more it revs up again because it's been cooling a little bit recently. And for somebody like Larry Summers saying that, the, the man who basically predicted our entire inflation predicament, I, I, I do take what he says now very seriously. I, I mean, I always did before. I would have deep, deep respect for the man. But 
He's the he's the main whistleblower on, you know, we're going to have inflation. And then he was completely, utterly right. So when I hear him say that, I am a bit cautious about listening entirely to like a Bank of America or a Goldman Sachs economist. So I want to say that as well, just going more towards the economists who don't think that this is going to actually put much inflationary pressure on the U.S. and therefore the global financial system yeah. um, in, in economies. Yeah. So let Where me, do you want to start yeah, with Yeah, so let me jump. So... I, I I am very glad um, and deeply supportive um, for the relief that this will provide mm-hmm. so many Americans, so many American families, uh, and um, uh, and and I'm 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 glad for that. You know, I I think. Um, I think we're going to hear uh, stories of lives changing and family trajectories Mm -hmm. changing as a result of this, right? And with the new income-based repayment plan, putting it down to 5% and plus the zero interest, the fact, because that policy before this, and obviously, it hasn't been enacted yet. We have to be very careful about how we're talking about this, technically. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting there, yeah. Yeah, but the fact that people will actually pay based on their income and they won't have interest compounding again and again and again because the amount of people that I know in my life who say, oh, I borrowed $20,000 and I've been on the income-based repayment plan for 12 years and now I owe 33000 off of the 20000 It's unbelievable. It's such a predatory, horrific system yes. that this this, pil- this policy, it, it got better, which I, you know, I hear Matt Brunig's arguments completely, which is a whole, for me, a separate policy measure, which is higher education costs, um, which absolutely 100, 110% need to be addressed. But I do get the day-to-day people who need income-based repayments finally getting a policy where it actually matters, it will work yeah, the way but, it should. Yeah, but so um, so I do think that there, I think the, the question is, if, if, if this leads to such bloating on the higher ed side, yeah that will at some point become untenable. And Absolutely. Then, and then who pays the piper for that? Yes, because, yes. Um. And you know, I, with the way that I just said it, it's just so difficult to talk about this stuff sometimes when you're trying to talk about the sort of um, thrust or ethos behind a policy can be wonderful. Right. While the blowback, the unintended consequences, and sometimes intended consequences, and meaning that you know that it's probably going to happen. You, yep. And you try to plan for it, but you know that you can't mitigate it that well. Yep. Um, there's a difference when you're talking about these things, about what is uh, what is good and rational policy and what will, how it will actually work in the and real well world. And well-intended. I think that's yes. absolutely key. And, and I hope listeners... <laughs> we'll be returning to that when we talk to some of the <laughs> talk about some of the Christian response to this uh, yes. over the week. Um, I I do want to say um, so a, a couple other points. One, the legal grounding and uh, for the authority for this action, particularly the the, the cancellation, yeah, is uh, <laughs> weak. So ranging somewhere from weak 
to laughable. Um, so the, why do you say that? Because the authority for the cancellation was grounded in uh, uh, a 9/11 era mm-hmm. act. Yep. Uh, that that um, basically binding the, the 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 legal authority that they're grounding in, uh, this in is an emergency based one mm-hmm. based on COVID. So they're saying yeah. we had to, you know, this cancellation is is in response to COVID, which is which mm-hmm. is tenuous. Yes. Uh, there's also just not a ton of precedent to my knowledge for the executive without without legislation uh uh, basically breaking revising agreements that 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 people entered into and for for forgiving half a half a trillion dollars in in student Mm -hmm. loans um there, there is uh, someone uh, shared on Twitter their their thought that um, the ideal situation for uh, for the for the Biden White House uh, would be that they make this announcement, uh, but it gets um, but uh, the 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 court strikes it down. So Josh Barrow. Uh, he tweeted, the ideal outcome for the White House politically is to issue this ambitious order and then have the court strike it down. He tried, not his fault, further boost progressive outrage at the courts and they don't have to do the inflationary stimulus. Uh, I can't begin to describe how much I despise this tweet and the thinking behind <laughs> it. The, 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 this, this idea that... Um, this idea that oh it would be such smart politics if the Biden administration waived ten to twenty thousand dollars of loan forgiveness in front of low income individuals' faces, knowing it would be struck down so that they could take that as an argument against Republicans for what like appointing the wrong judges for not being willing to do this through legislation. I mean, it's just like a that's how anemic our politics. It's like is. a sick, sick <laughs> argument on so many levels. And I just, you know, I, I think um, on both the substance and the politics, the Biden administration better hope this doesn't get struck down. You don't put something as direct and understandable and as core to the needs that that people and families have you don't put this in front of people and say this is happening if it's not going to happen uh uh and frankly like the biden administration if if that's where this goes like there there has to be a cost to to pay for that I'm down. So, so right. We don't need to get into the weeds here. There's a huge sort of legal argument about about sort of who would have the standing to yes. actually bring this bring in front of the, the courts. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I did want to respond to that idea. Yes. I think the other way that this falls through, though, is there are concerns from career staff at the Department of Education that they don't have the manpower oh, to right. yes. 
process this. So, so basically, there, there are firewalls between government agencies. And Melissa, obviously, I know that you, you know this, but, but for, for listeners who, who may not, there are firewalls between government agencies. So the Department of Education doesn't have automatic access to the tax returns of yep. all of uh, the, right. the all of their debtors, mm-hmm. uh, and so that information will have to be collected. Like there will be an application process. Now, uh, the Department of Education does have access to some uh, individuals' uh, income through FAFSA or yep. through other programs, but but they, they they don't have direct access to tax return. So that'll have to get worked out. That has to get processed by people, and that's like a whole process that has to be and so um and with an irs that's already struggling with an irs that's struggling so so you really do have to um uh so maybe this doesn't get struck down but you can also see uh like repayment starts in the beginning of 2023 what do the people do who have ten thousand or twenty thousand or less on their student loans aren't expecting to have to pay, but are now getting notices that they have to start repayment uh, because their cancellation hasn't been processed yet. Now, maybe this doesn't happen, but I do just want to flag now, there's a lot of bureaucratic work that needs to be done uh, between now and actually processing these, uh, these, uh, this, this cancellation. Um, so, 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 yeah, I think those are some, some key aspects to this. I do think, and maybe, well, so I want, Melissa, like your response to that. And then I also sort of want to move to the Christian response uh, that, that we've seen play out. Uh, I do think, like, it's a reasonable critique to say, uh, I think this policy should have been targeted more narrowly. This is what... I mean, this isn't just a, I mean, th- this is one of the ways in which polarization is working, which is that you have people saying just crazy things that if the shoe was on the other foot, you know they'd be making the the similar argument. Like, it, it is, it's not just Republicans who are saying this benefit is going to folks who don't need it. I mean, A, it's just a purely factual thing, which is, the White House set a limit at one fifty thousand, uh, one hundred twenty-five thousand income, two fifty for married. That that could be one hundred thousand, or it could be seventy-five thousand, uh, one hundred fifty for for married couple. Like that's a that's a that's a policy decision that that could could be could be made. <laughs> uh, now I think that there are some political reasons why. You, why the White House has the policy where it is, one of which, Melissa, which is what we've been talking about, which is that I actually, I actually think the most significant thing that they rolled out are, is the income-based repayment changes. Yep. And when, when people understand, A, you know, this, the, the, the Pell Grant edition does target additional benefit on top of the 10000 towards lower income brackets. But then the the uh, income based repayment plan is in again inherently progressive. It benefits mm-hmm. those who earn less more. Yep. Uh, once folks really process what that means, uh, the political benefit of 
the 10,000 being made available to the vast, vast, vast majority of borrowers is going to make everyone feel like they benefited uh, uh, somewhat uh, in response to the Biden administration's plans. Yep. So, so I think the way that this actually works out is because of the income-based repayment plan, I think that this ends up being more progressive. The, the full slate of announcements ends up being more progressive benefiting lower income folks leading to uh, reducing uh, economic uh, inequality uh, far more than just the 10,000 and it's actually the 10,000 which is like this shiny object that a is attracting most of the attention now but b will allow people to say well yes these benefits are going to lower income folks but you know i got a ten thousand dollar cancellation out of it anyways i think that's a from a political perspective uh, could end up being a a very sort of uh uh, that could play out very well for the biden administration yeah no i completely agree with you that the that the income-based repayment plan change is we think will end up being the most clutch of the policy changes besides the 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 we haven't mentioned it yet but the public's um, public service, the public service yeah. loan forgiveness program is also being improved because it's been notorious. We, Michael and I were actually at the bill signing for that particular um, piece of legislation, uh, which was incredible. Back in 2007, we were there. Um, but it's since 2007, it's notoriously been very difficult as a public servant to get your 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 debt forgiven yeah. and it seems like they're trying to make changes so that it's not as difficult anymore for your average teacher or you know government worker name name it um one of the last things that i just want to say as i've been noticing just on this sort of side of the analysis in the media with economists with others um with uh policymakers and their reactions to everything is feels like especially when we're talking about the progressive versus regressive type arguments it feels like everything and this is okay like i completely get this it seems like all of the analysis is completely in the short term maybe to medium term with like 2023 to 2024 with inflation especially i'm not really seeing any long-term arguments Mm. which is fine again the short term is deeply important at a time of an absolute wild amount of inflation at a time when we might be going into a recession still um and you can only predict so far ahead um especially with the american political system let alone you know economics with the business cycles but i still would have loved to have seen this week a bit more long-term analysis now that we actually have a policy to play with about what this kind of plan a does to not just future political decisions as to whomever gets into power next uh, in the presidency versus however our Congress is made up come the uh, November midterms. I kind of want to know more about the people who, the debtors, the people who have the debt and what this kind of decision does to all kinds of decision making, especially on the social end of things. Yeah. Marriage, children, housing, Retirement, yes, especially yes. retirement, um, but also the housing bit because housing adds all kinds of wealth and assets to a person's name when you buy a house versus renting. Um, what this does to those types of decisions when there's a certain generation right now that holds most of the debt, and that's millennials, um, and millennials are have 
been in for a little while if you're more into like, you know, 41, 42, but you could also be younger, like 26, are starting to head into or have been in a while in like their highest earning years while also having this kind of debt under their name. There have been a bunch of studies and a bunch of commentary about how little millennials are saving and how little they have towards retirement where what this kind of decision does towards that end of things, especially when we don't know if social security will be around for the millennial generation, for the Gen Z generation in, you know, 30 to 50 years when those generations um, are able to actually retire at what is now the current retiring age of 65. Um, I would love more analysis towards that end. I want to know if actually the picture would become a little bit more progressive or, I mean, it could become, it, the regressive arguments could still stand really strong No, there. I think that's a great um, point. I, I would love to know, um, just because I've been, for years now, especially because I, A, I am a millennial, B, we've been um, holders of a lot of student loans, yeah. you know, so these are things that I think about a lot, and I just have dozens upon dozens of you two friends who are in the same situation constantly talking about, like, savings, retirement, those types of things, and making different decisions. And obviously people with marriage and, and children are making decisions based on all other kinds of social issues. But finances is usually a big factor. Yeah. I just So I think that's an excellent point, uh, Melissa. I, I do just want to name just a couple other factors that hopefully you know folks will carry into the next segment uh, that will where we'll talk about the Christian reaction to this. And it's just two other aspects of this that, that do that do concern me a bit. One is, um, you know, not, nothing that President Biden announced uh, can't be overturned or changed by the next president. Yep. So it's all executive, regulatory yep. uh, uh, action. Uh, and it's not just a court thing, just if the next president doesn't like it, they can undo it because it wasn't passed by law. By the way, this is the difference. This is one of the differences between this and bailouts of farmers or uh, the bailouts of uh, the, the the PPP loans. That that was legislatively that that that's legislation. That's congressionally approved funding that was opened up. Um, so I, I'm I'm concerned, especially when you're talking about. You know, loans that have 10, 20 year horizons yep. and an income based repayment plan that is predicated on folks being in it for a decade. So yep. you have folks sort of building their decade financial decade long visions yes. of what this looks like. And there is no, that I'm aware of, no promise the Biden administration can make to them that the deal Biden is offering to them now will still be good. 10 years from now. So that would be the first thing I'd say. And then I just say, and this is not anything new in politics or or in policymaking. I do think there's a certain level of um, frivolity and like happenstance to all of this. Uh-huh. So... You, like yeah. like if you you know you you could have two similarly situated debtors one of whom you know uh made a financial decision to pay off their loan or got 
um, is making less of an income but got a bonus or they have they have uh, parents who they, they have a parent who passed and they got some of the estate money uh, for, of whatever their their parent passed down um, and because of these sort of crazy life circumstances that are unpredictable and really have nothing to do with merits a loaded word right now and it's loaded for me and, and but just to use the word uh, regard like uh, ir- uh, like regardless of merits people are being treated by will be tr- will be treated by this policy in very different ways ways and and you know what the word i'm looking for is arbitrary there's an arbitrariness to Uh who's getting the benefits and and, uh and 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 uh how how that's allocated Uh, that um again is is not new so much of 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 policy is like this because you have to have some standards and some people will meet it and some people won't for whatever the program is but i do just want to like put that out there that that does unsettle me a a, a bit we're, we're talking about you know a direct government payment essentially mm-hmm. um and th- there's a sort of arbitrary nature of the way that this will land on on individuals which which um um which i think is a is is a difficult thing to process and just to jump in here because you you just uh sparked something in my mind um and i and again this has happened before it's going to happen again but just with the way the intensity around this in terms of further setting the precedent um, it's just so interesting to me to watch senators, congresspeople um, act in the same way as an advocacy organization would when it comes to lobbying a president to make a decision. Um, so like the NAACP looking the same, saying the same things as like a Chuck Schumer. That's so interesting to me when Chuck Schumer could go and help try to make a law and actually put these things into actual legal framework do you know what i'm saying here yeah well so right so <laughs> melissa this is oh we could go down this route <laughs> sorry so right like part of the reason why you have these which you know has a rationality to it i'm not saying it's irrational but part of the reason why you saw all the pressure ratcheted up on this and not for instance the child tax credit, yep. which would be more progressive, yes. which would get to poor uh, people and families in a more direct way than this, yes. uh, is because uh, you do need legislation for that. And they at least felt felt you have an argument, and clearly the Biden administration now agrees, that you don't need Congress. Or, like, it was just up to the decision of one person. Mm-hmm. So, like, that. that's... I mean, like, it, it was... Uh, that's another aspect of the arbitrariness of, of this, which is this is not, again, I don't want to downplay this. I, t- I mean, believe me, personally, I take student loan debt very seriously. It's something our families wrestled with. But this is, if your goal is helping the least of these or um, uh, uh, addressing um the, the worst burdens facing the least fortunate, there are more targeted 
ways to do that. So, but actually, but that kind of leads us into the next segment. Yeah. <laughs> so let's take let's take a quick break. When we get back, I want to. We, we both want to talk about how response to this has played out among among Christians on social media in, in particular. This is where we are. Clink of a cup during the last segment. Michael was getting extremely Italian on all of us, and his hands <laughs> were flying while he was talking. I need a wide, clear radius uh, with my Italian hands, or else we move. Plates will go flying. We moved uh, the cup. Don't worry. So that won't happen this time around. <laughs> but if you're just kind of like, what was that noise? It was a Michael being Italian. Yeah. So. <laughs> so um, Melissa, I've been, uh, I, I was struck by s- much of the reaction uh, I saw um, on social media in response to Biden's announcement. I mean, I was struck, I mean, maybe even struck isn't the right word. I mean, right, so we saw a lot of the traditional sort of like conservative sort of pushback on mm-hmm. uh, sort of uh, the undeserving getting benefits, sort yeah, of. Yeah, or, uh, or um, uh, emphasizing, you know, this is going to grow the deficit and, like, inflation. Like, emphasizing you know, this you know, is going to, yeah. that's exactly right. Especially the right. deficit, because it's, it's, yeah. Which, those kinds of things, that's politics. Yeah, right? typical. If, Repu- it. if Republicans are are out of our office, they're going to complain about the deficit. If they're in office spending the money, they're typically not going to complain about the deficit. At least that's been the pattern that we've seen uh, uh, in 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 this century. Um, I, I did notice, though, particularly from folks who. I thought that those arguments had purchased not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Yes. And sort of, frankly, like a lot of like evangelicals who have rejected because of Trump, have rejected anything Republican, except for the one thing they haven't rejected from the religious right, from all, all this stuff that, they, <laughs> that so many of them say they reject, is like... The, the the willingness to make co- a completely unearned, unwarranted doctrinal statements about prudential policy matters. So, yep. so Melissa, we just spent 40 minutes talking about the pros, the cons, all the unknowns about mm-hmm. this. Can, can, the, can the government, is the Department of Education even going to be able to administer it? administer this program on a on a fast enough basis but but you have folks i think in reaction to what they deem to be like the mistakes of their past 
say say things like the Lord's Prayer mm-hmm. requires if if you don't approve of Biden's announcement, you're rejecting the words of the Lord's Prayer because the Lord's Prayer says, "Forgive us our debts." Uh, gosh, like I don't want to. I don't want to like use the word blasphemy, but I can't, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't think of a, of another word right, well, <laughs> right now. So um, folks can go back and listen to this if they'd like to, but I'll also paraphrase it here. The other, the other day with the launch, relaunch of this um, podcast, we went on Annie Downs's podcast, That Sounds Fun, and we were asked a question that is actually really applicable to this particular moment just days later about Annie talking about, um, you know, Sometimes we have convictions that are really that we hold on to really hard, and you know um, when we're talking to others who disagree with us, often it can feel like um, the other or you yourself are saying that that person can't be Christian or you you can't be Christian because you hold that conviction. And Michael very clearly, and you've said, I, Michael, I've heard you say this in a bunch of different arenas about how um, we can have our theological convictions and we can also have our political convictions but the second that we sort of take our theological convictions through entirely through the authority or the lens or um, placing our political convictions above it um and michael you can restate this again because i am paraphrasing you that's when we start running into problems again like you're talking about the ultimate the penultimate or the you know taking the prudential into um Into I, I I how would you word it? Yeah no so, so look the, the 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 problem here um, is uh, uh, folks con- confusing uh, motivations for supporting a policy with a mandate for uh, for other supporting that policy. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a very, I, I even think it would be a healthy thing to say, look, I, I think there's, there's a, there's a, a biblical thread of mercy for debtors, particularly those uh, whose debt is uh, uh, unjust uh, and of course, the flip side to that is there's a there's a moral burden on those who would uh, who would cast unjust debts on others, and that's a thread that you could find f- through the Old Testament. Uh, you could say that it's a, it's it's a, something that's resourced by the Lord's, but even by the Lord's prayer. Even if that's not precisely what uh, Jesus is referring to there, that's sort of an ethic that you could draw from it. You could, that's fine. And it's, and that, that thread motivates me to support what Biden has announced. I think that's, that's fine. Uh, Although folks should, if folks are going to say that, they better believe it. You better not be backfilling 
your politics with just some lines of scripture. If you're actually motivated by scripture and biblical principles to support this, say that or argue that if you if you want to. What's what crosses the line is to say uh, the 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 uh, there's a biblical principle for mercy uh, for debtors. Therefore, you are being unfaithful. You are you are not being faithful to that biblical principle uh, if you oppose this plan. And the, there are a lot of reasons why that's wrong. I mean, again, Melissa, we just spent 30, 35 minutes talking about all of the various uh, p- potential issues, even though I think at the at the end of the day, I mean, you 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 definitely support it, and and I'm kind of like you know, um, so long as this passes muster through the courts, which I'm not an expert on, I kind of have to I kind of have to say the 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 burden is on the Biden administration for for having its uh, T's crossed uh, and, and its eyes dotted. On the, on the legality of this action. Um, I think the, the benefits, particularly of cancellation, uh, uh, outweigh the, the costs. I, I tend to think the inflationary effects will be balanced out by the repayment. Um, but all of those are prudential matters. Like, I may be wrong. And look, it's a burden to bear... Uh, your own error when it comes to political decision making uh, it's a whole other thing to want to take on the burden of bullying uh, everybody else into your position your prudential position by laying on to it sort of the veneer of biblical authority so, so look, like here's what we can't say. If there are folks, if 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 you wanna, if there are folks saying, um, you know, I oppose Biden, I, I oppose Biden uh, canceling this debt because, uh, you know, people who made the mistake of taking on student loan debt, they should suffer, and uh, if they can't repay it, um, I hope that they. Uh, uh, they, they don't deserve to uh, have housing or make a future for themselves. That's just that's just the that's just the name of the game. Uh, I, you know, I have serious questions for whether that person is pursuing a Christian line of logic. But but here's what we're doing, which is we're very eager to sort of throw Bible verses and make all kinds of criticisms of other people and then puffing ourselves up with, oh, we have the Christian position on this issue. And I'm saying, look, that was not good for the country. It was not good for the faith. It was not good for us as individuals uh, when that was happening uh, under the pretenses and on the terms of the religious right in the 80s and 90s up to today, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
And it's not just because the religious right was supporting the wrong policies. It's not that, oh, these tools of religious manipulation, if they're oriented towards the right direction, that makes it good. No, no, these tools of religious manipulation are uh, inherently wrong. They're manipulation. They're inherently destructive. And so uh, just very, very, and I know it may seem like a semantic thing, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, well, Michael, that's 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 too nuanced to to say people should make an argument can make an argument about how their faith motivates their position, but but can't say that uh, uh, that uh, that that motivation ought to be binding on everybody uh, everybody else, and anyone who disagrees with them is unfaithful. I don't think that's all that nuanced. If if folks uh, feel if folks uh, feel confident enough to use their platforms to be casting out these kinds of things, uh, they they should probably be able to be held accountable to uh, the, the nuances of what they're saying uh, it, itself. But it, it's just not a good look. It's been it's been distressing to see, and I, I am concerned about um, about folks. Um, using some of the same tactics that, and I'll speak directly to our generation, Melissa. Sure. Which is using the same tactics that we've seen the harm that they do mm-hmm. and, to, and to make the mistake of thinking that they did harm because they weren't oriented in the right direction yep. instead of saying, do you know what? A political victory, a short-term political victory, especially on something that I'm not certain about, right? I mean, frankly, none of the people tweeting about this have have uh, have spent a day thinking about what it what it is actually like for the Department of Education to administer a program. Mm-hmm. You know, like like That's right. like uh, the the folks who've been saying this are not. Uh, are not student loan experts. <laughs> that, that, like that, 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 that these are not folks who um, uh, uh, can't anticipate every unintended consequence of a policy like this, and yet they still feel comfortable uh, making doctrinal uh, statements that are casting burdens on folks' souls about this. And I just want to say, look. Be politically involved. Bring your faith into politics, but, um, but 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 let's keep first things first. Let's have some humility and let's understand that uh, you 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 may feel good when these when when you're able to use these when you feel you're able to use these tactics against others. But remember the damage these tactics did to your soul and to the souls of those around you. Uh, and 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 uh, allow, allow that to maybe temper some of the things your your folks are willing to say uh, on social media and and uh, and you know God forbid to to family members and and folks mm-hmm. that are in your direct circles. And that's all we have to say about that. Yeah, I gu- I guess so. Um, so look, I mean, look the the the. The encouragement here is that there is a healthy way <laughs> to bring uh, your faith into into politics and to assessing these kinds of things, and it's 
It's to have your eye on the poor. It's to uh, be, be uh, uh, careful to think about scripture, Christian tradition. Uh, think about um, the needs of your community and, and bring those with you when you enter into politics. And then when you're there in politics, to point back to the gospel, which transcends, it's, it's not irrelevant to, but transcends the temporal political decisions we have to make. And uh, point to uh, the, the, the fact that, um, uh, that there are, uh, there's an ultimate reality. And uh, we are uh, in this sort of intermediate time simply trying to, with our limited knowledge and resources uh, and abilities, simply trying to love our neighbors the best we can in all of life, including politics stewarding what we have, the, the best that we know how and with discernment with others and with the Holy Spirit to do what we think is right, knowing, knowing that we may be wrong, and knowing that even the policies that we feel most confident about may have consequences or have effects uh, that are not what we intend or that what we intend may not be the best thing for people, may not be the best thing for ourselves. Um, and so, so, so that, that's what I'd say. That's what this podcast is about, which is saying that politics is not ultimate, but it is important and we need to take it seriously, but not uh, take it uh, seriously in the wrong ways. And one of those wrong ways is every temp every whatever's in the news that week to to say that uh the only way we know how to speak into it is by saying that my way is the christian way and everybody else uh needs to get on board uh most of the time dare i say uh, uh really all the time we we uh we uh we don't have the authority to to make those those kinds of statements. All right, folks, thank you for uh, listening. It'll be, uh, we're going to see this unfold. We'll keep track of how the Department of Education makes progress uh, on uh, getting ready for repayment to kick in, uh, trying to uh, get a confirmation of cancellation um, uh, for, for folks who will uh, have uh, their their uh, their debts uh, at least a portion of their debts uh, forgiven. We'll see if there's any movement in the courts, uh, and we'll see how this plays out in the midterm elections. I do think that this is going to be uh, uh, an an issue uh, as we head into the thick of the campaign season after uh, after Labor Day. And we'll see how the politics breaks down as well. Uh, we will uh, be back with you on Monday for the Morning Five. Uh, and of course, there will be a new episode of Where We Are uh, next week. Until then, uh, thank you for listening.
and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.